thanks to Acast for hosting and monetizing this podcast. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed, cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of Live Loves Reading Things Aloud. Truly fucking loves it. It's so fun. 
Today, I decided to kind of tie a bow around a series of readings that I've done over the years, the so-called Homeric hymns. In the past, I've read to you the Homeric hymn to Demeter, where most of the information about the abduction of Persephone and Demeter's search for her daughter comes from, and the Homeric hymn to Hermes, where the best of all content ever comes from, Hermes as a baby going on a wild and crazy adventure through the Greek world, and the Homeric hymns to Pythian and Delian Apollo, which tell stories of, yes, Apollo. And most recently, I've read to you the Homeric hymn to Aphrodite, one of my favorites, which tells the story of Aphrodite and Anchises and the concept of Aeneas, who fascinates me. Greek Aeneas fascinates me. Couldn't care less about Roman. Ha. Huh. I've also read some of the shorter hymns, just like here and there in relevant episodes, but I thought it would be nice to provide all of them to you here. The Homeric hymns are so incredibly interesting and insightful when it comes to just understanding the gods, the very concepts of them in Greek mythology. They're not all from the same time period, and they're certainly not all or at all written by the poet or poets that we now call Homer, but most of them come from not too long after or just generally around the time of those Homeric epics, and they are super important and really give so much detail and personality to the many gods. According to my beloved Theoi.com, most of the poems, including the longer ones that tell the full stories, like Demeter's Search, Hermes and Apollo's Cows, Aphrodite and her affair, date to around the 7th or 6th centuries BCE. So, very old. Whereas a few of the shorter poems are Hellenistic, so much later. And they say that the hymn to Ares, interestingly, was probably composed in the Roman period. There are hymns to so many of the Olympian gods, and even mother goddesses like Gaia and heroes like Heracles. Some are just a couple of lines. Others are longer. They're all beautiful. And so, as always, I'm just excited to read them. are the Homeric Hymns, translated by H.G. Evelyn White. To Aphrodite I will sing of stately Aphrodite, gold-crowned and beautiful, whose dominion is the walled cities of all sea-set Cyprus. There the moist breath of the western wind wafted her over the waves of the loud moaning sea in sea foam, and there the gold-filleted hours welcomed her joyously. They clothed her with heavenly garments, on her head they put a fine, well-wrought crown of gold, and in her pierced ears they hung ornaments of oracalque and precious gold, and adorned her with golden necklaces over her soft neck and snow-white breasts, jewels which the gold-filleted hours wear themselves whenever they go to their father's house to join the lovely dances of the gods. And when they had fully decked her, they brought her to the gods, who welcomed her when they saw her, giving her their hands. Each one of them prayed that he might lead her home to be his wedded wife. So greatly were they amazed at the beauty 
of violet-crowned Catharia. Hail, sweet-winning, coy-eyed goddess, grant that I may gain the victory in this contest and order you my song, and now I will remember you and another song also. To Dionysus I will tell of Dionysus, the son of glorious Semele, how he appeared on a jutting headland by the shore of the fruitless sea, seeming like a stripling in the first flush of manhood. His rich, dark hair was waving about him, and on his strong shoulders he wore a purple robe. Presently there came swiftly over the sparkling sea Tercenian pirates on a well-decked ship. A miserable doom led them on. When they saw him, they made signs to one another and sprang out quickly, and seizing him straightway, put him on board their ship exultingly, for they thought him the son of heaven-nurtured kings. They sought to bind him with rude bonds, but the bonds would not hold him, and the withes fell away from his hands and feet, and he sat with a smile in his dark eyes. Then the helmsman understood all and cried out at once to his fellows and said, Madmen, what god is this whom you have taken and bound, strong that he is? Not even the well-built ship can carry him. Surely this is either Zeus or Apollo who has the silver bow or Poseidon, for he looks not like mortal men but like the gods who dwell on Olympus. Come then, let us set him free upon the dark shore at once. Do not lay hands on him, lest he grow angry and stir up dangerous winds and heavy squalls. So said he, but the master tried him with taunting words. Madman, mark the wind and help hoist the sail on the ship, catch all the sheets. As for this fellow, we men will see to him. I reckon he is bound for Egypt or for Cyprus or for the Hyperboreans or further still— but in the end he will speak out and tell us his friends and all his wealth and his brothers now that providence has thrown him in our way. When he had said this, he had mast and sail hoisted on the ship, and the wind filled the sail, and the crew hauled taut the sheets on either side. But soon strange things were seen among them. First of all, sweet fragrant wine ran streaming throughout all the black ship, and a heavenly smell arose so that the seamen were seized with amazement when they saw it. And all at once a vine spread out both ways along the top of the sail with many clusters hanging down from it, and a dark ivy plant twined about the mast, blossoming with flowers and with rich berries growing on it, and all the thole pins were covered with garlands. When the pirates saw all this, then at last they bade the helmsman to put the ship to land— but the god changed into a dreadful lion there on the ship in the bows and roared loudly. Amidships also he showed his wonders and created a shaggy bear, which stood up ravening, while on the forepeak was the lion glaring fiercely with scowling brows. And so the sailors fled into the stern and crowded bemused about the right-minded helmsman, until suddenly the lion sprang upon the master and seized him. And when the sailors saw it, they leapt out overboard and all into the bright sea, escaping from a miserable fate, and were changed into dolphins. But on the helmsman Dionysus had mercy, and held him back and made him altogether happy, saying to him, Take courage, good, 
You have found favor in my heart. I am loud-crying Dionysus, whom Cadmus's daughter Semele bore out of union with Zeus. Hail, child of fair-faced Semele, he who forgets you can in no wise order sweet song. To Ares Ares exceeding in strength, chariot rider, golden helmed, doughty in heart, shield bearer, savior of cities, harnessed in bronze, strong of arm, unwearying, mighty with the spear, O oh, defense of Olympus, father of warlike victory, ally of Thamus, stern governor of the rebellious, leader of righteous men, sceptered king of manliness, who whirl your fiery sphere among the planets in their sevenfold courses through the ether, wherein your blazing steeds ever bear you about the third firmament of heaven? Hear me, helper of men, giver of dauntless youth, shed down a kindly ray from above upon my life and strength of war that I may be able to drive away bitter cowardice from my head and crush down the deceitful impulses of my soul. Restrain also the keen fury of my heart which provokes me to tread the ways of blood-curdling strife. Rather, O oh blessed one, give you me boldness to abide within the harmless laws of peace, avoiding strife and hatred and the violent fiends of death. To Artemis Muse, sing of Artemis, sister of the far shooter, the virgin who delights in arrows, who was fostered with Apollo. She waters her horses from meles deep in reeds, and swiftly drives her all-golden chariot through Smyrna to vine-clad Claros, where Apollo, god of the silver bow, sits waiting for the far-shooting goddess who delights in arrows. And so hail to you, Artemis, in my song, and to all goddesses as well. Of you first I sing, and with you I begin. Now that I have begun with you, I will turn to another song. To Aphrodite Of Catheria, born in Cyprus, I will sing. She gives kindly gifts to men. Smiles are ever on her lovely face, and lovely is the brightness that plays over it. Hail, goddess queen of well-built Salamis and sea-girt Cyprus, grant me a cheerful song, and now I will remember you and another song also. To Athena Of Pallas Athena, guardian of the city, I begin to sing. Dread is she, and with Ares she loves deeds of war, the sack of cities, and the shouting, and the battle— it is she who saves the people as they go out to war and come back. Hail, goddess, and give us good fortune with happiness. To Hera I sing of golden-throned Hera, whom Rhea bare. Queen of the immortals is she, surpassing all in beauty. She is the sister and the wife of loud-thundering Zeus, the glorious one whom all the blessed throughout high Olympus reverence and honor even as Zeus who delights in thunder. To Demeter I begin to sing of rich-haired Demeter, awful goddess of her, and her daughter lovely Persephone. Hail, goddess, keep this city safe and govern my song. To the mother of the gods 
I, prithee, clear-voiced muse, daughter of mighty Zeus, sing of the mother of all gods and men. She is well pleased with the sound of rattles and of timbrels, with the voice of flutes and the outcry of wolves and bright-eyed lions, with echoing hills and wooded combs. And so hail to you in my song and to all the goddesses as well. To Heracles the Lion-Hearted I will sing of Heracles, the son of Zeus, and much the mightiest of men on earth. Alcmene bare him in Thebes, the city of lovely dances, when the dark-clouded son of Kronos had lain with her. Once he used to wander over unmeasured tracts of land and sea at the bidding of King Eurystheus, and himself did many deeds of violence and endured many. But now he lives happily in the glorious home of snowy Olympus, and has neat-ankled Hebe for his wife. Hail, Lord, son of Zeus, give me success and prosperity. To Asclepius I begin to sing of Asclepius, son of Apollo and healer of sicknesses. In the Dotian plain, fair Coronis, daughter of Phlegius, bear him, a great joy to men, a soother of cruel pangs. And so hail to you, Lord, in my song I make prayer to thee. To the Dioscuri. Sing, clear-voiced muse of Castor and Polyduces, the Tyndarii, who sprang from Olympian Zeus, beneath the heights of Tietis, stately Leda bare them, when the dark-clouded son of Kronos had privily bent her to his will. Hail, children of Tyndarius, riders upon swift horses. To Hermes. I sing of Kylenian Hermes, the slayer of Argus, lord of Kylene and Arcadia, rich in flocks, luck-bringing messenger of the deathless gods. He was born of Maia, the daughter of Atlas, when she had made with Zeus, a shy goddess she. Ever she avoided the throng of the blessed gods and lived in shadowy cave, and there the son of Kronos used to lie with the rich-tressed nymph at dead of night, while white-armed Hera lay bound in sweet sleep, and neither deathless god nor mortal man knew it. And so hail to you, son of Zeus and Maia, with you I have begun. Now I will turn to another song. Hail, Hermes, giver of grace, guide, and giver of good things. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed, cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. 
Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. To Pan. Muse, tell me about Pan, the dear son of Hermes, with his goat's feet and two horns, a lover of merry noise. Through wooded glades he wanders with dancing nymphs who foot it on some sheer cliff's edge, calling upon Pan, the shepherd god, long-haired, unkempt. He has every snowy crest and the mountain peaks and rocky crests for his domain. Hither and thither he goes, through the close thickets, now lured by soft streams, and now he presses on amongst towering crags, and climbs up to the highest peak that overlooks the flocks. Often he courses through the glistening high mountains, and often on the shouldered hills he speeds along, slaying wild beasts, this keen-eyed god. Only at evening, as he returns from the chase, he sounds his note, playing sweet and low on his pipes of reed. Not even she could excel him in melody, that bird who in flower late in spring, pouring forth her lament, utters honey-voiced song amid the leaves. 
At that hour the clear-voiced nymphs are with him and move with nimble feet, singing by some spring of dark water while echo wails about the mountain top, and the god on this side or on that of the choirs or at times sidling into the midst plies it nimbly with his feet. On his back he wears a spotted lynx pelt, and he delights in high-pitched songs in a soft meadow where crocuses and sweet-smelling hyacinths bloom at random in the grass. They sing of the blessed gods and high Olympus, and choose to tell of such an one as luck bringing Hermes above the rest. Now he is the swift messenger of all the gods, and how he came to Arcadia, the land of many springs and mother of flocks. There where his sacred place is as god to Kylene, for there, though a god, he used to tend curly-fleeced sheep in the service of a mortal man, because there fell on him and waxed strong melting desire to wed the rich-tressed daughter of Dreops. And there he brought about the merry marriage, and in the house she bore Hermes a dear son, who, from his birth, was marvellous to look upon, with goat's feet and two horns, a noisy, merry, laughing child. But when the nurse saw his uncouth face and full beard, she was afraid and sprang up and fled and left the child. Then, luck bringing Hermes, received him and took him in his arms, very glad, and his heart was the god. And he went quickly to the abodes of the deathless gods, carrying the sun wrapped in warm skins of mountain hairs, and set him down beside Zeus and showed him to the rest of the gods. Then all the immortals were glad in heart, and Bacchic Dionysus especially. And they called the boy Pan, because he delighted all their hearts. And so hail to you, Lord, I seek your favor with a song, and now I will remember you and another song also. To Hephaestus Sing clear-voiced muses of Hephaestus, famed for inventions. With bright-eyed Athena he taught men glorious gifts throughout the world, men who before used to dwell in caves in the mountains like wild beasts. But now that they have learned crafts through Hephaestus, the famed worker, easily they live a peaceful life in their own houses the whole year round. Be gracious, Hephaestus, and grant me success and prosperity. To Apollo. Phoebus, of you even the swans sing with clear voice to the beating of his wings as he alights upon the bank by the eddying river Peneus. And of you the sweet-tongued minstrel holding his high-pitched lyre always sings both first and last, and so hail to you, Lord, I seek your favor with my song. To Poseidon. I begin to sing about Poseidon, the great god, mover of the earth and the fruitless sea, god of the deep, who is also lord of Helicon and wide Aegi. Of twofold office the gods allotted you, O shaker of the earth, to be a tamer of horses and a savior of ships. Hail, Poseidon, holder of the earth, dark-haired lord. O blessed one, be kindly in heart, and help those who voyage in ships. To the son of Kronos Most High. I will sing of Zeus, chiefest among the gods and greatest, all-seeing, the lord of all, the fulfiller who whispers words of wisdom to Thamus as she sits leaning towards him. Be gracious, all-seeing son of Kronos, most excellent and great. 
to Hestia. Hestia, you who tend the holy house of the Lord Apollo, the far shooter at goodly Pitho, with soft oil dripping ever from your locks, come now into this house, come, having one mind with Zeus the all-wise, draw near and withal bestow grace upon my song. To the Muses and Apollo I will begin with the Muses and Apollo and Zeus, for it is through the Muses and Apollo that there are singers upon the earth and players upon the lyre. But kings are from Zeus, happy is he whom the Muses love, sweet flows speech from his lips. Hail, children of Zeus, give honor to my song, and now I will remember you and another song also. To Dionysus I begin to sing of ivy-crowned Dionysus, the loud-crying god, splendid son of Zeus and glorious Semele. The rich-haired nymphs received him in their bosoms from the Lord his father, and fostered and nurtured him carefully in the dells of Nyssa, where by the will of his father he grew up in a sweet-smelling cave, being reckoned among the mortals. But when the goddesses had brought him up, a god oft hymned, then began he to wander continually through the woody combs, thickly wreathed with ivy and laurel. And the nymphs followed in his train with him for their leader, and the boundless forest was filled with their outcry. And so hail to you, Dionysus, god of abundant clusters, grant that we may come again rejoicing to this season, and from that season onwards for many a year. To Artemis I sing of Artemis, whose shafts are of gold, who cheers on the hounds, the pure maiden shooter of stags, who delights in archery, own sister to Apollo with the golden sword. Over the shadowy hills and windy peaks she draws her golden bow, rejoicing in the chase, and sends out grievous shafts. The tops of the high mountains tremble and the tangled woods echo awesomely with the outcry of beasts. Earthquakes and the sea also wear fishes shoal. But the goddess with a bold heart turns every way destroying the race of wild beasts. And when she is satisfied and has cheered her heart, this huntress who delights in arrows slackens her supple bow and goes to the great house of her dear brother, Phoebus Apollo to the rich land of Delphi, there to order the lovely dance of the muses and graces. There she hangs up her curved bow and her arrows, and heads and leads the dances, gracefully arrayed, while all they utter their heavenly voice, singing how neat-ankled Leto bear children supreme among the immortals, both in thought and in deed. Hail to you, children of Zeus and rich-haired Leto, and now I will remember you and another song also. To Athena I begin to sing of Pallas Athena, the glorious goddess, bright-eyed, inventive, unbending of heart, pure virgin, savior of cities, courageous, Tritogenia, from his awful head, wise Zeus himself bear her arrayed in warlike arms of flashing gold, and awe seized all the gods as they gazed. 
But Athena sprang quickly from the immortal head and stood before Zeus who holds the aegis, shaking a sharp spear. Great Olympus began to reel horribly at the might of the bright-eyed goddess, and earth round about cried fearfully, and the sea was moved and tossed with dark waves, while foam burst forth suddenly. The bright son of Hyperion stopped his swift-footed horses a long while, until the maiden Pallas Athena had stripped the heavenly armor from her immortal shoulders, and wise Zeus was glad, and so hail to you, daughter of Zeus who holds the aegis. Now I will remember you and another song as well. To Hestia Hestia in the high dwellings of all, both deathless gods and men who walk on earth, you have gained an everlasting abode and highest honor. Glorious is your portion and your right, for without you mortals hold no banquet, where does one not duly pour sweet wine in offering to Hestia both first and last? And you, slayer of Argus, son of Zeus and Maia, messenger of the blessed gods, bearer of the golden rod, giver of good, be favorable and help us, you and Hestia, the worshipful and dear. Come and dwell in this glorious house in friendship together, for you too, well knowing the noble actions of men, aid on their wisdom and their strength. Hail, daughter of Kronos, and you also, Hermes, bearer of the golden rod. Now I will remember you and another song also. To Earth, the Mother of All I will sing of well-founded Earth, mother of all, eldest of all beings. She feeds all creatures that are in the world, all that go upon the goodly land, and all that are in the paths of the sea, and all that fly. All these are fed of her store. Through you, O queen, men are blessed in their children and blessed in their harvests, and to you it belongs to give means of life to mortal men and to take it away. Happy is the man whom you delight to honor. He has all things abundantly. His fruitful land is laden with corn, his pastures are covered with cattle, and his house is filled with good things. Such men rule orderly in their cities of fair women. Great riches and wealth follow them. Their sons exult with ever-fresh delight, and their daughters in flower-laden bands play and skip merrily over the soft flowers of the field. Thus it is with those whom you honor. O holy goddess, bountiful spirit, hail, mother of the gods, wife of starry heaven, freely bestow upon me for this my song, substance that cheers the heart. And now I will remember you and another song also. To Helios and now, O muse Calliope, daughter of Zeus, begin to sing of glowing Helios, whom mild-eyed Euryphiasa, the far-shining one, bare to the sun of earth and starry heaven. For Hyperion wedded glorious Euryphiasa, his own sister who bare him lovely children, rosy-armed Eos and rich-tressed Selene, and tireless Helios, who is like the deathless gods. As he rides in his chariot, he shines upon men and deathless gods, and piercingly he gazes with his eyes from his golden helmet. 
bright rays beam dazzlingly from him, and his bright locks, streaming, form the temples of his head, gracefully enclose his far-seen face. A rich, fine-spun garment glows upon his body and flutters in the wind, and stallions carry him. Then, when he has stayed his golden-yoked chariot and horses, he rests there upon the highest point of heaven, until he marvelously drives them down again through heaven to ocean. Hail to you, Lord! Freely bestow on me substance that cheers the heart, and now that I have begun with you, I will celebrate the race of mortal men half divine whose deeds the muses have showed to mankind. To Selene. And next, sweet-voiced muses, daughters of Zeus, well-skilled in song, tell of the long-winged moon. From her immortal head a radiance is shone from heaven and embraces earth, and great is the beauty that arises from her shining light. The air, unlit before, glows with the light of her golden crown, and her rays beam clear whensoever bright Selene, having bathed her lovely body in the waters of ocean, and donned her far-gleaming, shining team, drives on her long-maned horses at full speed. At even time in the mid-month, then her great orbit is full, and then her beams shine brightest as she increases." So she is a sure token and a sign to mortal men. Once the son of Kronos was joined with her in love, and she conceived and bore a daughter Pandia, exceeding lovely among the deathless gods. Hail, white-armed goddess, bright Selene, mild, bright-tressed queen. And now I will leave you and sing the glories of men half divine whose deeds minstrels, the servants of the muses, celebrate with lovely lips. To the Dioscuri Bright-eyed muses tell of the Tyndarii, the sons of Zeus, glorious children of neat-ankled Leda, Castor, the tamer of horses, and blameless Polyduces, when Leda had lain with the dark-clouded son of Kronos, she bare them beneath the peak of the great hill Tietus, children who are deliverers of men on earth and swift-going ships when stormy gales rage over the ruthless sea. Then the shipmen call upon the sons of great Zeus with vows of white lambs, going to the forepart of the prow, but the strong wind and the waves of the sea lay the ship under water, until suddenly these two are seen darting through the air on tawny wings. Forthwith they allay the blasts of the cruel winds, and still the waves upon the surface of the white sea. Fair signs are they, and deliverance from toil. And when the shipmen see them, they are glad and have rest from their pain and labor." Hail, Tyndarii, riders upon swift horses. Now I will remember you and another song also. Ah, oh, nerds, 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 as always, thank you so much for listening. These are just... They're so beautiful and so varied, except for that last line about 
remembering somebody else. I said that one a lot. But that last one to the Dioscori is, is there's two that are dedicated entirely to these twins of Sparta, brothers of Helen and Clytemnestra, the Gemini twins. I don't know if I get to mention them because they're super duper important, particularly in Sparta. But there aren't that many detailed stories that survive. We just know they took part in things like the quest for the Golden Fleece as part of the Argonauts. They saved Helen from Theseus and they waged a war on Athens. One of them ended up a god on Mount Olympus in the end. They, I've talked about them in my old Gemini episode, but otherwise they're super important like enigmas. But they also did protect sailors on the sea, which I was reminded in reading that last one. <sighs> But hey, as much as they don't have much information, they've got two Homeric hymns. Plus, I've got something in the works that will feature them. But that's all I'll say for now. Generally, I love these hymns. They're some of my favorite things to recite and to include in narrative episodes when I'm talking about characters that are featured. They're just so lovely. They really bring me back to the ancient world in a way not everything does. Ugh. With this episode, though, I've finished reading all of them to you. Ah, <sighs> still, don't think you won't hear one now and again when I talk about gods that have a hymn dedicated to them. I just love them too much. Let's Talk About Myths Baby is written and produced by me, Liv Albert, Michaela Smith. God, she handles so many things. A queen. From running the YouTube to creating promotional images and videos to editing and research, it's endless. The podcast is hosted and monetized by Acast. Thank you all, as always. Maybe leave a five-star review. That'd be cool. You're all the absolute best. I am Liv, and I love this shit just so much. The ancient world is the absolute coolest thing to think about. <sighs>
Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.